Chapter 30 of The Ocean of Air Meteorology for Beginners. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Melanie Young. The Ocean of Air Meteorology for Beginners by Agnes Gibbon. Sound and light without heat the ocean of air would be a frozen mass of solid substance without light the dwellers in that ocean would be plunged into the depths of a perpetual midnight the rays of heat and light ever darting down from the great sun quiver and palpitate through the atmosphere bringing warmth and brightness to creatures living below but what are heat rays and light rays what are rays used in any such sense this is a difficult subject hardly to be treated in a few pages yet not to be entirely passed over we know comparatively little as yet about the nature of heat and not more about the nature of light many different explanations have been offered at different times to account for the passage of heat and light from sun to earth none perhaps have been altogether satisfactory certainly none can be looked upon as a final settlement of the question at the present moment the most widely accepted theory and that which so far as it goes fits in best with what is known of heat and light is the wave explanation waves of many kinds are known to us notably sound waves in air sound as the term is commonly understood could not exist without air to carry it the rate at which sound travels through the air is about one mile in five seconds not nearly so fast as light and electricity travel yet about ten times as fast as the most rapid of hurricanes everybody knows or ought to know that sound takes time to make a journey the commonest observation shows so much if we watch rock blasting at a distance the flash and puff of smoke come first then after a slight pause the noise of the explosion arrives in a thunderstorm the lightning flash is seen first and unless the storm is close overhead there is a little break before the peal begins five seconds pause shows that the storm is a mile distant ten seconds pause that it is two miles distant during the pause or break the sound is traveling towards us from the starting point and not only towards us but outward in all directions in fact it radiates forth much as heat and light do only we do not commonly use the word radiation for sound any solid substance coming between hinders sound you may have heard when listening to church bells as you walked along a road how at one particular point the sound was suddenly cut off either lessened or made to cease a high stone wall had intervened and the waves of air were turned in another direction if you had found your way to the right position you could have heard those same waves of air rebounding from the wall and you would have called the reflected sound an echo for sound is conveyed by waves sometimes described as vibrations or undulations we must now think for a moment 
what is meant by a wave. Most people have seen waves of the sea on the seashore. The general impression of a wave is of a body of water pouring onward, curling over, and dashing high on the beach. This is a mistaken notion. Waves on the beach do curl over and do run up the sand or shingle, especially when the tide is coming in. But the true idea of a wave must be taken from the rising and falling of the water a little farther out, say, near the end of a pier. Watch a piece of wood floating. A wave comes up, passes under the wood, and flows on, but does not take the wood with it. The wood stays behind. Nay, except on the crest of a breaking wave, you may see the same thing close to the beach. There, too, a piece of wood or seaweed will dance long in one spot, wave after wave giving it a toss, and leaving it where it was. If a wave meant the actual onward movement of water particles, this could not be. The floating object would be carried forward, instead of which the wood and also the water particles among which it lies are at rest. The wave is a vibration traveling through the water particles, not a forward motion of those particles themselves. Such a wave may often be seen traveling over a field of corn. The separate ears of corn do not journey forward. Each in turn bends under the influence of the wave, but each remains where it was. Only the wave changes its place. Sound always springs from motion of one kind or another. Some sudden movement of a body through the air or against another body sets the air particles vibrating and quivering in little waves. These tiny undulations pass on with great speed to particle after particle of the air in all directions. A quick succession of them strike at length on the drum of a man's ear, conveying certain impressions to the brain, which, partly through long practice, the brain understands and translates into certain meanings. But if there were no medium to convey the waves, there could be no sound, however mighty the shock might be of any two meeting bodies. Once again, it should be clearly understood that in these waves there is no onward movement of air itself. The particles of air remain where they were, only they are tossed about a little in the passing wave, as water particles of the ocean are tossed about in passing billows. Imagine what it would mean if things were otherwise, if sound waves meant a literal rush of air particles from the source of sound to the ear. Why, a wind would be set going by every movement of every body on earth, ten times more violent than the most desperate hurricane of a tropical cyclone. No human beings or human dwellings could withstand it. A good deal was said in the last chapter about rays of light and heat not visible to our eyes. We saw how the world, in even the darkest nighttime of winter, may be actually full of light, radiating from every surface, if only we could see it. The same may be said of sound. There is a scale of sound as well as a scale of light, consisting of higher and lower notes. In these days of pianoforte practice, the sound scale is a good deal more familiar to people generally than the light scale. 
we all know from our own sensations how different are the high notes from the low notes of the sound scale. But what we do not know is how much deeper the scale of low notes may descend, or how much higher the scale of high notes may ascend beyond what we are able to hear. Sensation only helps us so far as our hearing extends, and as in sight, so in hearing, our powers are very limited. Some animals on earth seem to be utterly without voice, without means of vocal communication. What if this only means that their voices are pitched too high or too low for our powers? In a microphone, a microscope for sound, the patter of a fly's footsteps has been heard. If we had keen enough hearing, we might listen to the patter of every insect's footsteps, to the munching of every insect's food, perhaps to the shrill small squeak of every insect's voice. The power of hearing differs greatly in different people. Without reaching actual deafness, there are many degrees of acuteness. The eardrum in some is more sensitive than in others, and the brain is quicker to interpret. Where even a slight degree of deafness begins, the higher and lower notes, especially the former, are at once cut off, and all fainter hissing sounds die out. The inability to detect high notes may be tested at any time by listening to a cricket's chirp. Many people who are not supposed to be deaf and who would probably repudiate the charge with indignation will fail to hear it. If disposed to be over-positive in small matters, they will perhaps deny the existence of the sound, ascribing others' consciousness of the same to fancy. Nothing is easier or more common among minds of a certain caliber than the declaration, such a thing cannot be because I do not hear or see it. Deeper and higher notes in the scale of sound mean less rapid and more rapid pulsations of air, larger and smaller waves of air. All kinds of sound reach us at the same rate of speed, but some sounds are formed of bigger undulations than others, so that a smaller number of waves arrive within a certain time. About the deepest note commonly heard by the human ear consists of sixteen waves each second. About the highest note usually consists of some thirty-eight thousand waves each second. But some people with hearing of rare acuteness can detect yet shriller sounds as high as 42,000 vibrations. The human ear commands altogether a range of no less than 11 octaves. This is by no means to say that other sounds do not exist higher and lower in the scale, formed of yet larger and fewer waves, of yet smaller and more abundant waves. The whole world may be full of sounds which our ears cannot hear, as of light which our eyes cannot see. What we call silence may be no more actual silence than what we call darkness may be actual darkness. Some of the most frequent causes of sound are the sudden striking of one body against another, prolonged friction between two hard bodies, any kind of explosion, and sharp discharges of electricity. All these cause sound undulations through air particles, and in a less degree through the particles of liquid and even of solid substances. It is very difficult to define where noise ends and music begins. The music of certain uncivilized nations, such as the tom-tom rattlings of the Hindus, are mere noise to cultivated ears. 
yet probably every continued and steadily recurring sound carries within it at least a possibility of music the human voice listened to by one silent person in a full room of talkers presents a jangle of discordant sounds but musical possibilities lie enfolded there undoubtedly a certain degree of speed and of regularity in the vibrations would appear to be needful before any sensation of music can be produced in the listening brain to return to light and heat in what they are it is impossible to speak here so decidedly as about sound the same degree of proof is as yet wanting we do however believe that just as sound consists of waves so light and heat consist of waves only the waves of light are very much smaller and very much more rapid than the waves of sound sound waves which we can hear vary as already stated from about sixteen in a second to thirty-eight thousand in a second but light waves are to be counted by millions in a second a single light wave is believed to be only about one five hundred millionth of an inch in length the speed of the two is more easily compared sound waves travel through the air at the rate of about one-fifth of a mile in each second light waves journey at the rate of one hundred and ninety two thousand miles each second i've spoken of sound waves as waves of air now light waves are not waves of air light waves can pass through air little hindered by it light waves can travel in distant space where nowhere exists flashing from star to star from sun to planets at the rate just named still if light consists of waves they must be waves of something by waves we mean certain movements or undulations of an actual substance if space beyond our atmosphere were utterly and absolutely empty light could not travel in waves we believe that space is not empty we believe that everywhere through the universe is a certain most fine and delicate something which has been named ether infinitely more fine and delicate than air far too fine and delicate to be tested by any instruments that man has yet made this ether is supposed to reach from earth to the sun from the sun to all planets and stars it fills all space it pervades the atmosphere it enters into the make of all liquids and solids through this wondrously fine and invisible ether the waves of light are sent vibrating thrilling oscillating quivering down to earth from the blazing sun traveling with such marvelous speed that imagination cannot picture it whether light waves as such do in very truth exist cannot yet be positively asserted the wave explanation may in the future have to give place to some other theory we do know however that light travels in some such mode through some such medium while we cannot be certain that light actually comes in waves like sound we know the speed of light for that has been measured and we know that light consists of a certain definite number of somethings each second whether we call them waves or no for those somethings have been counted red is at the lower end of the light scale corresponding with the deepest bass note known to our ears violet is at the higher end of the light scale corresponding with the shrillest treble note known to our ears the exact pitch of any one musical note or indeed of any sound depends entirely on how many waves of sound pass into the ear in one second 
For a bass note, the waves are larger and fewer. For a treble note, they are smaller and more numerous. It is the same with light. The exact color of any object depends upon how many waves of ether pass into the eye in one second. For red, the waves are larger and fewer. For violet, they are smaller and more numerous. About 39,000 tiny light waves in one inch mean, as they reach the eye, the sensation of red. About 57,000 waves in one inch mean the sensation of violet. Between these two range all other tents visible to human sight. Beyond them, higher and lower, our seeing powers fail. Of course, sight, like hearing, varies markedly in different people, some having a far wider range of vision than others, but these are generally accepted as the outside limits. It should be noted that I am speaking now of the size of light waves in respect to space, not their speed in respect to time. There are so many vibrations in the second belonging to red and so many belonging to violet, but these are enormously high figures. People in general do not much care to hear about millions and billions. Those rapid light waves coming from the sun which give to our eyes the sense of brightness are not by any means the whole of the keyboard. It has a far wider range. Beyond the red, low down, are other sun rays, deeper notes, known to us only as heat rays. We can feel them as heat, but we cannot see them as light because they are formed of waves too big to affect our eyes. Whether some animals may be able to see them is another question. Again, beyond the violet, high up, are yet other sun rays, known to us only as chemical rays. These are formed of waves too minute and rapid for our powers of vision nor are we conscious of their small amount of heat. But the chemist is well acquainted with these rays, and the photographer knows how to use them on prepared sensitive paper which, if paper can be said to see, does see, or at least is affected by, them. When the sun takes a man's likeness, he does it by means of these invisible chemical rays. A ray of white light is a bundle of many colors. When, by allowing it to pass through a prism, the ray is broken up, the various tents of which it is combined are seen. Instead of a single white ray, a series of colored rays are seen, violet, indigo, blue, green, yellow, orange, and red, extending from the top to the bottom of our sight scale. The ear has command of eleven octaves of sound, but the eye has command of only about one octave of color. Not long ago, it was the fashion to talk about the three primary colors, red, yellow, and blue. After a while, these were altered into the three primary colors, orange, green, and violet. Now, all the chief colors of the spectrum, as given above, are counted to be simple or elementary colors, from which all other colors are made. Black and white are not colors. Pure black means the absence of any tint at all while white is the union of all the rest. If you look at a mass of soap bubbles from near at hand, you will see all the different hues of the light scale on the thin films of soap and water. But if you go to a distance, the colors will unite before reaching your eyes and the bubbles will appear white. 
a ray of light passing through a prism is broken up and dispersed each color ray which helps to form it being bent and thrown upon the wall or ceiling at a different angle this is said to be done through refraction if light rays could not be refracted and dispersed we should lose all our sunrise and sunset tints the crimson of the clouds the opal of the skies the golden glows would be nowhere a light ray until dispersed is always white red and yellow tintings in the heavens mean always the breaking up of white rays that some of the hidden brighter colors which unite to form white light may become visible this scattering of light which produces not only the brilliant hues of morning and evening but also the blue of the air and the sky is now believed to be largely the work of fine floating dust in the atmosphere assisted by minute floating particles of water vapor dispersion of light is also markedly seen with rainbows for a rainbow to appear there must be sunshine as well as rain and the observer must stand with his back to the sun his face to the bow any number of observers may be present and any number of rainbows each individual sees a bow and all speak of the bow but no two among them see the same bow because no two can stand in exactly the same spot at one time a rainbow is caused by the reflection and refraction of the light waves on the falling raindrops each raindrop acts as a prism breaking up and dispersing the rays of white light so that a succession of tinted rays are seen from violet to red each observer's eyes must be in the direct line between the sun and those falling drops which acting in quick succession serve for his prism sometimes the bow is single sometimes double sometimes the colors are more clear sometimes less clear the conditions are the same however for all observers gathered in one place and the effect upon their vision is the same so that it is as if all saw one bow what a dull colorless ocean of air our dwelling place would be if no light rays could ever be broken up refracted or reflected if no crimson and purple and golden hues lit up our evening skies or shone as rainbows through the raindrops to relieve the dead level of perpetual whiteness end of chapter thirty recording by melanie young